This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. And welcome back. Some of the Cooler Jets podcast where it was Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. Michael, I have no idea what we just watched. We were so ready to get on here and just rip this team a new one for an absolutely dreadful loss. And just like last year where you have the upset win, last year was Buffalo, this year was Philadelphia, you get two weeks to enjoy it during the bye, and then you're facing a team coming out of the bye that you should beat, and then just an ugly, terrible, brutal loss. I was ready to get on here and just honestly be at a loss for words for what we saw. And then somehow, Michael, somehow the Jets sent that game to overtime and won it on a field goal. And maybe the ugliest game that I've ever watched. I know you have behind you for those watching on video. Giants had a 99.9% chance of winning. I, I mean, what what was the bigger upset? The the Browns game last year or this Giants game? Maybe upset's the wrong word, but like last second shot. more improbable shot. comeback. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for finding I still words. I still give it to Cleveland, but this is definitely close. I have, I mean, I don't even know where we want to start with this one. Uh, let, let me take let, you take us through your game day experience because you had a tweet afterwards and it's the same sentiment you have on this podcast pretty much every week. I'm going to stop live tweet t- live tweeting games. It's too emotional. It's you know it's it's unreliable. You have to watch the tape, watch the all twenty two, and then have the rational cool your jets takes on on the game. And you actually ended up deleting all of your game day tweets, which honestly kind of a coward move, Michael. I kind of you know got to leave it up there. But uh, obviously it was not an enjoyable game to watch. Uh, just take us through your thoughts up until there are 24 seconds left in, in this game. The Jets somehow pulled it off. Let me hear what you thought about this game and, and your viewing experience. No, I'm totally with you. I mean, it was gruesome. It was embarrassing. It was highly difficult to watch. I mean, I was saying even in the first half while they were up that it was maybe the ugliest half of football that we've watched. I thought that was hyperbolic at the time, but then the second half may have further that further yeah. that point. I don't think the Giants attempted a, a pass. But, I mean, you know, I was saying that at halftime based on not how the Jets were playing, which is like the product you're getting, just like right. the lack of offense, the injuries, the weather, all that. But, uh, but, yeah, I mean, 24 seconds left in this game. I mean, the, the Jets come, came back and they won the game. They have a three-game winning streak. They're four and three. That's all great, but – 24 seconds ago in this game, you're talking the first 59 minutes and 36 seconds. This was one of the worst performances the Jets have put out in the past few years. And, like, it can't be forgotten despite the win. And I obviously offensively still very much offensively, of course. You can't, you can't say um, it's one of the worst performances the Jets have had. You can't say that about special teams or defense. Special teams but, and defense balled out, but yeah. But offensively, it was putrid. And, you know, it, you were saying this before we started recording that it's kind of the reverse of the Patriots game in week three where, you know, you know, the game goes terribly and there's a chance at the end to win the game. And just because you potentially win or don't win, it kind of changes the entire narrative. Like imagine they catch that Hail Mary against the Patriots and it turns from, you know, what currently looks like, you know, obviously their most, their ugliest loss this year and one of their worst in recent years to you know they're, they're this team they fought and they won and that's what it is right now but at the same time there are still so many issues that need to be cleaned up but at the same time you give them credit for fighting especially with you know i mean the jets were dealt you know a bad hand in this game too and not quite as bad as the giants because they didn't have a quarterback but you know the jets had madden created offensive linemen in this game they had you know defensive tackle going out the jets had plenty of their own injuries they had to deal with um, doesn't change the fact that they 
should have won this game a lot more cleanly than they did. But um, you still give them so much credit for the resilience that they showed. And they, and they finished games really well this year. Uh, we, we've seen Jets teams in the past that couldn't finish games. I mean, you think about the whole Todd Bowles era, the whole how many times they couldn't win a close game. And they were the team blowing games the way the Giants did, the way the Eagles did, uh, the way the Broncos couldn't. You know, they had a chance to come back on the Jets, and they couldn't. That was the Jets for a long time. But now they're starting to come on the positive end of these close games. And regardless of the fact that the entire product has has to be a lot better if they're going to be more consistent, you got to be able to win the ugly ones too. If you're going to be a playoff team, right. if you're going to win playoff games, you got to be able to win even when you don't play your best. Like you look at the Steelers, that's why they're such a consistent team because that team is like they don't have great talent. And for a few years now they haven't, but they're just so well coached and consistent year to year with, you know, just their ability to finish games and come up in the biggest moments. And that's why they're always in the mix. And you want to be that type of franchise that has that established in terms of, you know, culture and just the way the team is just, you want to ingrain winning into the, you know, right. fabric sort of, you know, have whatever buzzwords you want to use. Like, it's, well, it's hard because it's it. like, how much are you, you want to learn how to win games? You don't always play great, but even when you don't, you got to be able to win. And the, this Jets team is figuring out how to do that, which is good. But at the same time, lots to improve. Right. It's hard though. Cause you don't want to, you want to judge the process as a whole and not just the result of, Oh, they won this game. Cause like you said, for 59 minutes, I mean, this was an ugly loss and it was a loss that I think, you know, stands out on Salah's tenure is yet again, coming out of the bye, the jets are flat and they got out coached. Let's start with coaching, I guess. Because I think Hackett's play calling in this game, specifically there was that stretch where they had back-to-back third and ones and they wouldn't run the ball. Which, look, I get you have a bunch of backup interior offensive linemen in there. But still, the, the, the first play where they went empty and they threw that little out route to Conklin, it's just, what are we doing here? What is this offense? What is the identity of this offense? I get initially it felt like post-Rogers you wanted to be the Brees Hall show and you're going to play ground and pound football. And then with the Chiefs game, it's like we're going to be an aggressive offense we're gonna have a lot of play action we're gonna throw on first down I have no idea what the game plan was in this game and granted I think a lot of it has to do with the weather but that's not really an excuse you play football in New Jersey if you like you said if you want to be a playoff team you're gonna have to go into a place like Buffalo in the divisional round of the playoffs or something and, and be able to put up something offensively every cold weather game that we've seen out of the Jets outside of last year with Mike White against the Bears they have like no plan on offense. It's, they're just playing give up football with field position and, and defensive battles. And it comes down to, can you not make the mistakes? And of course they fumble on the first possession, which spotted the giants three points. Then Brees Hall is able to have that, you know, amazing, I guess, amazing run with shout out your guy, CJ Uzama with the block there. Yeah, great block and, in there for sure. And then you're like, all right, the jets are in an okay spot. Even if this is an ugly game and in, in the bad, you know, bad conditions, Neither offense is really moving the football. You have the lead, and I trust this defense to not allow another touchdown. But then they had the Giants have that frustrating drive coming out of the half that's only yeah. kept alive by penalties, which I don't even think we really saw the Quincy Williams penalty. We saw him get pushed after the play, and then I, I did, did kind of was... see it. He did slap at the the guys. I don't know if he started it, but I saw him. Would you Would you think you know, of the a swipe at the helmet? Well, the the back breaking penalty was the Jermaine Johnson penalty. What did you think of that? I mean, yeah. I think that's going to get called, although the Jets never get those calls. I have to take another look at it. I feel like it was really close with the whistle, which, you know, I would let it slide because like, I I always kind of sided with the players in the sense that these things happen so quickly to where I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. And, you know, they, the jets never get these calls. I was hoping for them to get a break at some point, but they don't get it. Although there was that hold in overtime against Franklin Myers. That was kind of cheap, but the jets would stop them anyway. Regardless, I always kind of side with the players. Like, I want to make sure that it's like a conscious decision that a player right. makes if I want to penalize them more so than like, oh, that was like 0.1 seconds after the whistle was blown. That's a dirty play. So I, I would have to watch it again to see when the whistle was, but I feel like it was really close. Regardless of you want to, you know, because the play was already you know pretty much done. They had him wrapped up. There's like two or three guys on him. So you would like to stay off. The Quincy one, I, I think that was a penalty. He did. Right kind of go ahead first with that one so both of those were, all right uh, and there was a claim this is later in the game but i know might I was as well touch it. on it now the clemens one terrible utterly inexcusable I, what even happened no no excuse for that he was one. off sides neutral zone for, i didn't even see really the what it neutral happened. zone he jumped he just jumped into the lane so that one is 
and it's always hard like people want to put penalties on coaches like actually you know what i saw i, I did it. see that was the one tweet i saw which was uh what, what was your clemens tweet what for me like, yeah oh, it was like I at said least he, was he makes a cool entrances the first time we notice him this year at least he makes cool entrances. <laughs> and he's big or whatever. that's why i gotta try to stay off with my game day yeah at least you at least you don't to, text me anymore i turn into more of the like you know game day fan season ticket holder yeah i've been going since 1986 type fan five beers deep you know the moment they get into the parking lot did you record, i gotta try to stick did you my, record your reaction at all my i didn't do a ton during the game but uh, towards the end i did i think oh, i so have, you have some towards uh like some of the failed drives at the end of the fourth quarter uh, i was really going off on zach for that <laughs> sack he took but yeah. then i had the whole right, like well, overtime comeback and stuff okay so after the penalties jets allow the touchdown which quickly uh, speaking of the penalties, one minute ago Jermaine Johnson said, "Stupid penalty! I know better than that. I'll be better." Also, Jets win. Well, we'll so, take it. I mean, no, he is admitting it. It's. It, but what do you think? Yeah, I was going to. I was going to say this earlier. But what do you think in terms of like bouncing penalties um, between on players and on coaches? Because I feel like everyone defaults to penalties happen. Undisciplined team. That's the coach's fault. But sometimes I feel like it's no. just player making a mistake, right? Yeah, I think it's more players than coaches. I mean, especially in that position. I mean, like, you can blame it for, like, what exactly – what's the message that they're feeding their guys? But I can't imagine that Sala and Ulbrich are telling them, you know, you, you really want to make sure the fourth or fifth guy in on, the, on a huddle and, or in a pile and you want to jump in there late. Like, I'm sure the messaging is to be smart and to not have roughing, dumb roughing the passer penalties and not have dumb holding penalties, but those things happen. I think it's more on the players. But like you said, it's, it's hard to judge. It's easy to watch on TV and – and say, oh, what is he doing there? But like you said, I mean, it's like they have Tommy DeVito wrapped up. I didn't hear a whistle. He's still upright. You never know if he can get free. And it's also, I do think, the one thing you could maybe attribute to coaching, but it's not something I think you'd want to change, is the Jets do have that all gas, no break mentality. They all fly to the football. You could see it in the way that they hit. And so that aggressive style of coaching and style of play can sometimes lend itself to more penalties. I know the Jets, I think the Jets have the most roughing the passer penalties over the last two years or so. I want to double check they have that. the most and have benefited from the fewest. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, all right, anyways, the Jets get down in this game, and then all of a sudden the, the, the game flips on its head because now it's like, okay, we haven't been able to move the ball. We're in ugly conditions. We don't trust Zach Wilson to throw, clearly, still, whether it's the rain, whether it's just this was the game plan, we trust the defense. I don't know what it is, but the Jets are now put behind the eight ball of having to play aggressive, forward-thinking NFL offense and to score. And I have to say, those drives from the Giants – uh, touchdown up until the Jets got the ball back with 24 seconds in the fourth. Just inexcusable. I, I It's hard for us to fully evaluate it without going back and watching the All-22, seeing what exactly is happening. But you were raising this point a lot, and if you want to jump off here, the offensive line is going to get the majority of the spotlight. This is ignoring Hackett, ignoring the concepts that they're they're calling, the complete elimination of, of the PA rollout game or using Zach Wilson's legs or any of that stuff. We're going to ignore Hack for a second. The focus is on the offensive line. Obviously, all the injuries happen. Zach Wilson's getting pressured immediately. Offensive line looks like a disaster. But as you're pointing out, nobody is getting open outside of Garrett Wilson. The Giants were going man right. coverage, and Garrett Wilson, you know, is getting open as much as he can. But it's like Alan Lazaro isn't separating. Xavier Gibson's not separating. Tyler Conklin's not separating. So what did you kind of see of this offense in that second half? Were they were they're in catch-up mode? Were they in aggressive style of football? It's no longer just run the ball, hold on to the lead. We have to be aggressive and, and take this lead back, and yet – the Jets looked like a high school offense. I mean, I think it was a combination of so many different things. And it all obviously starts with the lack of a, an offensive line that you can trust. I mean, you have the botched snap exchange. You've had poorly protected plays, especially against the Blitz, which you expect. You know, they just signed Xavier Newman a couple of days ago. I, I think it was yesterday that I saw for the first time that he was on the team. And I kind of remember like having thought in the back of my mind, like why do I feel like this guy's going to end up playing? Yeah. And like, because I remember, well, Hey, who was it? He might, he might be playing. Hey, hey, like I remember him playing in the Eagles game and I did not see that before the game. So I had that in my mind. I was like, I got to keep a closer eye on some of these random pickups because these guys are going to play because of this disgusting field that the Jets play on. Well, yet again, Michael, not to cut you off. I know you're kind of rolling here, but yet again, just because you bring it up, the Jets have another win and then another season-ending injury. So currently, the count is four wins, three torn Achilles. Al Woods is out, but that's not even what we're talking about. McGovern and Schweitzer both go down. So now you have a guy like Newman who 
is he the starting guard going forward when Tipman comes back? If Tipman's even ready to come back next week, which isn't a sure thing. I mean, what do you think? Or is it, or is it they go default back to Turner? Yeah, it's – I don't even know what you do at this point. It's so <laughs> Your rough. silence is deafening. It's just one of these situations now where – I mean, you got to try to find someone, right? Like a Justin Pugh move off the well, street. It's like – The trade deadline is know. Tuesday. They need – yeah, but in terms of like the offensive issues, I mean, obviously offensive line was a problem, but more people should be talking about the receivers as well because outside of Garrett Wilson, nobody gets open, and that's just the bottom line. And I know Lazard – Makes the you know game-winning play at the end of the game, and he's a great blocker, and he's done some good things this year. But this is your number two receiver who plays like eighty to ninety percent of the snaps, and he's never open. And so it's not ideal. They need more receivers who can get open. Obviously, Cobb was out in this game. Not that he gets open when he's playing anyway, but even beyond him, like they're pretty much. I mean, Malik Taylor was playing. Yeah, hey, he, he got game. open at the end of the game. When I saw that at the end, I was like, "Wait, who is that?" Oh yeah, it's Malik Taylor. For a second, I thought it was Josh Malone. I don't know why. I know he's not on the team. Jesus, I forgot about Josh Malone. My God. He's a random 80-something receiver. If you're a receiver wearing 80-something nowadays, you're a rando. No, None of the yeah, good receivers. All the, yeah, wear they all wear anymore. single digit, digits or, or team numbers. Um, so, what did you make but of yeah, Separation is a big issue. I think they should try to trade for a Renfro, a, a Judy, whoever they can get. Because it's you saw Garrett Wilson even on the broadcast. You could see it, which is, you know, it's easier to see on the film, but you could see sometimes there would be, if it was a short yard situation, there were linebackers shifting towards him playing the inside and a DB over the top. They would shift the safeties that way. He was getting doubled a lot of this game. And that means other players should have chances to win, especially against a blitzing defense like this. It's playing a lot of man to man, but no one really wins on this team. Obviously Tyler Conklin can, but yeah, they had to keep the tight ends in to help in the pass protection in this game, so he couldn't do too much. They need another receiver who can win, and we'll see whether or not they do that. Obviously, offensive line, I would say, is more urgent, but it shouldn't go overlooked that the lack of separation so, is an issue. So you're buying at the trade deadline? I don't know if a Judy move seems realistic to me. That seems like – the, the kind of weird... For sure. I mean, you could sell Lawson, obviously, and still go get right. players. and hopefully Cook. No, who's who's trading for Cook? Yeah, probably nobody. I wouldn't even do the Hardman trade for Cook. So you're doing, uh, so you're. I think that the target that makes sense is is Renfro. I mean, look, I'm not gonna. We haven't prepared anything in terms of trade deadline talk, but it's like I, I get what you're saying in terms of they need to add another receiver. But how much of the offense is limited by Zach Wilson? Who I don't know what you make of this performance. I don't think it's as. Uh, I don't even want to go there. I was going to say, I don't think it's as bad as it seems before they even won, but it's still not good enough. I mean, some of the sacks that he took on that second-to-last drive, especially the one on second and 10, is just inexcusable. And he seems to have a certain, like, unawareness, situational unawareness. Now, I think he does deserve a lot of credit, and like you were pointing out, um, Lincoln Tomlinson and Mekhi Becton also deserve a ton of credit for getting down and being able to, to spike the ball with one second left. Clearly, they've learned since Denver. And look, Zach had a number of, or I shouldn't even say a number. He had a few nice plays. He had the, the one to Lazar that was dropped. And then, you know, obviously Brees took the the one dump off for a 50-yard touchdown. So there are some – his numbers might be a little inflated because didn't you say he had like 240 yards passing and like three of those yeah. – yeah, I mean, he had like a 50-yard Brees touchdown. He had two of those came on that, on that last drive. Um, so his numbers are a little inflated. His performance, all Jets fans are ready to crucify him with 24 seconds left. And rightfully so. It was another ugly Zach Wilson game. Although, as you said, I don't think it was. I don't. I don't know how you frame this. I don't. I, I. I've been too optimistic on Zach on this podcast, so I don't want to sound like a a shill here. So I don't know how you would frame this. It, it's like, yeah, not good enough. It's an, but it's an interesting evaluation because at the end of the day, definitely below average for sure. But like the extent to which is kind of fascinating to think about because, like, first of all, as we know, the situation around him in this game was terrible. Players weren't getting open. The play calls were terrible. Pass protection was terrible. There was no run game. So it was uh, the weather wasn't ideal either. And I, everyone knows I'm not really a Zach Wilson shill. So, you know, I'm not really yeah. making excuses for him to push a narrative or anything. Like it was legitimately a very bad situation. And uh, another thing is, I think a lot of his best throws in this game are going to be forgotten about because it, a lot of his really good throws were dropped. He had the, you know, the Lazard throw where he stepped up and threw a nice. And dropped it in the bucket. I think it was an out or a corner or something. 
there's a Garrett Wilson throw at the end, which, you know, Matt Ryan was saying he could have put it in there a little bit more velocity, got it there quicker, but it was, it was in the chest. It was a great defensive play, knocked it out, but that should have been a big gain uh, as they were trying to, I forget exactly what point that was, but it was close to the end of the game. There's that one. There was a really good back shoulder. He had to Garrett early. that got knocked out. So he had a lot of really good throws that um, were just contested and the receiver wasn't able to make the catch. Um, and then you know, there weren't easy throws available. No one was separating. So you, there are some things going in his favor here that I think make it less bad than, you know, some of his other games where it was like, okay, you got to make that play. Like, I right. think that's what the Patriots game was. It was a lot of, come on, the play is there. That's on you. You got to make that. Right. In this game, it was a lot of like, we got to help him out a little bit, but at the same time, there were some egregious mistakes. And I think that is the biggest issue with this game is that, you know, last three weeks, those, you know, he wasn't perfect, especially the last two games, but there weren't so many of those mistakes where it's like, that is totally inexcusable. You can't do that. And in this game, you had some of those, you know, the fumble early on, um, even the play before the fumble was very right. close to being a fumble. Um, the box botch exchange. I don't put that on him. You know, it's his first snap with a, guy they signed two days ago who isn't even a center primarily so won't kill him for that but you know then the end of the game fourth down taking a sack you just cannot do yeah. that and you, and you miss i don't care what you one. see like i'm sure no one was open but just throw it up because that, like that last play of the game when you targeted malik taylor that wasn't a great throw but you just throw deep there's always a chance you're going to get that penalty so you have to throw that ball and then even worse like you just said was the third and one yeah. absolute layup of a throw to Brees in the flat that he throws at his feet. That's the type of throw that hasn't really been there this year. You know, those easy short throws that just aren't even close. We saw a lot of that his first two years. This year he's decreased that. We haven't seen it quite as much, but he had that one in this game. Uh, so there were some really bad plays in this game for sure. But then the way he finished it and, you know, granted it doesn't erase the rest of the game because he shouldn't even have gotten this chance because the Giants just choked it so badly. But um, you give him credit for the way he finished, you know, finding Garrett, taking advantage of that free play, um, then hitting Lazard after that. That was a really nicely placed throw. And, you know, being able to extend that, lead him towards the middle of the field so he can get some yak, which we, we'll, we'll talk about that play, you know, the whole process a little bit more. But, yeah, and then in overtime, you know, doing what needed to be done to get down there. So he had some good plays. Overall, it is – it's an interesting evaluation. You know, definitely subpar, but – there are some things in his favor here. Uh, I would certainly say it's a step back from the previous two games, but uh, there, there's some stuff to take away here. The biggest thing you take away is just, it's another example of the end of this game being, you know, what he can look like when he's in rhythm, when he's confident and he, he's just kind of playing with nothing to lose. That's when we've seen the best of him. Like it reminds yeah. you of that Pittsburgh comeback last year, kind of when his back is against the wall and he's just slinging it, but you know, no, it feels like there's no consequences. That's, yeah, when he's not afraid to make you see a the best of him. Yeah, so uh, that's the Jets kind of try to find a way to bottle up what you saw at the end of the fourth quarter and overtime, and you know get four quarters of that. Uh, obviously, as I said, it's hard to evaluate his performance in the offenses as a whole without going back and watching the All Twenty Two. So I'm sure we'll have more on uh, Friday's podcast. Also, but, one quick stat: He was pressured on fifty-six percent of his dropbacks, which is which absolutely absurd. Yeah, but also kind of what we we knew the Giants were going to throw. Uh, how much did the Giants blitz though? Because it didn't even seem like they blitz as much as I thought they would. But I could just be that could just be wrong. But I remember uh, Rivka said 54%. that fifty-four percent. Okay, because they fifty-six fifty-six percent. So not not as high as they could have gone. Yeah, because Rivka said average is like. 45 or something right. but and they've I had think, some like 80 plus right that's what he said they they blitz brock purdy 85 percent of the time so 56 i guess that that makes but sense i think that I mean, makes sense because they want to mix it up on him i think right you know, they know that um with zach wilson it's less so like blitz that he struggles with more so the threat of that and being able to mix things up right like that's what the Patriots it's when it's done. when the post snap is is not the same it's when it's when the exactly. post snap is so not what i think that's what they kind of went for it's like a very mixed as balanced as they could get it more so than like let's throw the kitchen sink at them it's more like you know let, let's mix it up and it, it worked pretty well for the most part some of that on him some of that not on him but uh it's definitely something he needs to improve 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What do you make of, of Hackett? Because as I said, it's, it's hard to evaluate without going back and watching the L22. So we'll have more on Friday after we've seen it. And then also I want to be careful because, you know, during the game between the fans and the beat writers, it's constantly just like, oh, they should have done this. Oh, they should have done that. It's like it's easy to be up here as podcasters and act like we know better than NFL coaches and what exactly they're going for. But I, it feels pretty safe to say that that was an unimaginative and uncreative offensive game plan from from Hackett. What do you think was the goal there, especially in the second half when they're trailing and they have to score a touchdown? It's not even like let's play conservatively. And some of the things that they were doing, especially that third and one to Conklin, it's the one I talked about earlier, which is that like, I mean, it's just a nothing route, just a little five-yard out route man coverage. I mean, there's just so many easier ways to get a yard as an NFL offense. And instead he's calling things that look like they're out of 1995. Like he's, it looks like he's calling his dad's offense at times. What do you make of, of Hackett in this game and what exactly they're going for? Is it, is it the weather? Is it the game script? Is it the fact that the giants aren't throwing the ball and it's just a field position battle? Is it a lack of trust in Zach Wilson? Is it the offensive line or do his route concepts just suck? I mean, what's going on? Yeah, there's definitely, I mean, first you give him, you know, some slack for what he's dealing with. You know, Zach Wilson is limiting. We talked about the separation. We know about the O-line injuries. If they, if they lost, you're that, not saying that. If they lost, you're not talking about definitely, slack. Definitely not. <laughs> but still, I mean, you you do. I think I still would have said it. I mean, we'd just be blaming everybody said it if they through, lost. That, that's what we're doing right now. Through your clenched teeth, yes, maybe. But you, know, you give them some slack for that, but still a lot of it is, like you said, just unimaginative. I mean, I think this was a, a game where it would have been good to pull out some of your best screen plays some outside runs. It didn't feel like their run calling uh, the the scheming of the run game was imaginative in any way. I mean, they did the, you know, they, the Garrett end around. I think they did one to Gibson, but other than that, I mean, they kind of just try to go right up the teeth of the defense into Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams. And that wasn't working in this game and going into the game. It seemed like something that would have worked. I was saying they need to go run heavy, but didn't turn out that way, especially when you lose McGovern and Schweitzer very quickly. It, you know, turned into a game where it felt like, you know, the Jets need to call some more play action, take some shots, but didn't really happen. Then, you know, going empty on third and one, I never liked that. We saw it last year. It failed the Jets a few times and predictably again, it did here. The one time they did that, um, there was one Brees Hall run on third and one where the middle of the defense was really stacked up and they kind of ran right into it. Zach checked into that though. Zach checked into he, that. He did he check into that? Because yeah. I was thinking, like, was that something that they could have checked out of? Uh, well, but you remember I, he checked into that? Yeah, I, if we're talking about the same one. Okay. And, and yeah. I was just looking at that. I was like, what did he see in that Giants front that made right. him check into that? And he's done that a few times, but it's it's just hard to know what the rules are and what the options were. Right, so that's another thing with, like, evaluating hack is, like, it, it's it, this is a lot of stuff we can look at the game and see, like, you know, this guy dropped a pass. This pass protection isn't good. Like, you can't hide from those things. But one thing we just – flat out really can't see unless they tell us in the media is like which play calls are like should Zach have checked out of that did he check into this and he shouldn't have or like which side of in terms of reading the field like does he have the option to start on the left start on the right or are they telling him you have to start on the left or you have to start in the field side or whatever it is things like that are huge in determining how a play works out but we don't really know from where we're sitting like who has that responsibility so some of that stuff is, you know, it's, it's like a gray area in terms of evaluation. But regardless, it's all sloppy. And whether it's the quarterback or the OC, it has to be better. I mean, you came into this game 32nd on third down. Now you went, what was it, like one for 15? And it's going to be around like 20% for the season now. That is just absolutely not going to cut it. And the thing about this game is, you know, third down ahead of this game, a big reason why they were so bad was, they were a lot of long third downs. Their second down offense was the worst in the league in terms of yards per play. So they weren't setting themselves up well. This game, it felt like the third downs were generally manageable. I mean, they went over three on third and one. So that is 
unfathomably bad. You should be able to get at least two of those. So the short yardage third down, so there's a third and two they didn't get here. So third and two or less, they went 0 for 4. That is, I just said unfathomable. I'm going to say it again. It's unfathomable. You can't do that. So they got to have more creativity, I think, in the short game, especially if your offensive line is going to be depleted. It's hard to just pound the ball when you can't trust your guys to make the blocks that need to be made. So, you know, whatever it is, they can get in there. Maybe some some draw plays for the quarterback, some jet sweeps, some toss plays. Where are the toss plays? We didn't really see that in the run. We're a couple, but yeah. Uh, so uh, just some more creativity. I do I wonder how we much. Always, we always say that, but then it's like lack of execution. Like if a play right. works and a guy makes his block or someone makes a guy miss, now, now it's a great play. Like thumbs well, up. And also great, hack it. But, how uh, much of you know. how much of that is skewed by having two guys in the offensive line who are thrown into the lineup playing different positions? Like when you call a screen and you need your right guard to be pulling and getting out in front. I mean, I, I would imagine Billy. I know I know Billy Turner knows the playbook. I know he can do it, but it's just adding more complication. And I wonder if that played into things too, in terms of getting tricky with, like you said, with the screens and the draws and any of the man gap stuff. I don't know. I I got to go back and watch and watch this game because honestly, it was one of the most unenjoyable games i've watched as a jets fan i was didn't have i didn't enjoy a single minute of that game until the end until they won it even grease hall touchdown i know you i thought that was a penalty i I didn't i thought it was a penalty so i was like yeah let's go but wait is there a penalty oh i was like are you fucking kidding me i was like of course it's a hold and then they said illegal contact i was like oh i literally didn't enjoy a single minute of that game it's all fever dream i have no idea how they won that and it's it's kind of like what i said against the eagles where it's like all right, you lost a game against the Pats, which you should have won, and you make up for it by winning a game that you should have lost against the Eagles. That applies to this game uh, more so, honestly, than the Eagles game. This was a loss. The Jets were dead. They should be 3-4 right now. They should have right beat now. the Pats and Chiefs, and they should have lost these last two games. Right. They were dead. They should be 3-4. and four. We should all be at the mercy of Sean Marash and the WFAN Giants fan host to rip Jets fans a new one. And so we still going to have a lot to say like, Oh, you be a yeah, team but the, the Giants, the Giants, but the Giants rolled over. Harder. The Giants rolled yeah. over. I mean, they literally Tyra Taylor goes down. Shocking and, man. Like how, like I know, obviously they don't trust him, but like to the, the number of third and 11, third and seven runs, they got spooked. Because, they got spooked because the Jets defense beat the Eagles last week. I mean, they forced four turnovers out of the Eagles. They forced those interceptions. Out of to them, it should have worked if Kayvon Thibodeau didn't make the worst penalty. Yeah, one of the worst that you'll see. Wait, what do you mean? Oh, because the penalty. Yeah, right. Yeah. I keep forgetting that because I was. It's. I turned off the TV. I I watched it. It's. I didn't really watch uh, that as as intently. But well, hey, I, I was I was I was streaming it on my phone. I left the room. There were people here, and you know when you have friends over to watch like a Jets game. It's a watch party and you, you organize that thinking it's going to be a fun experience. Then the game starts going horribly and then you just feel like shit and you're just upset. And it's like, all right, I'm just a dark cloud in this room. Let me just get out of here before I start cursing Zach Wilson out. So I left and I started streaming on my phone downstairs, but I was like two minutes behind. And then I heard cheering and then I ran up. So I had to go back and watch to see how the hell did this even happen? My dad was at a Jets fan bar and he, called me and he had left the game or he had just left the bar after that. And then I called him. I was like, you know, this game's in overtime, right? He's like, what? So he didn't even know. So and I, I, I'm curious the amount of Jets fans that actually left the stadium uh, too. But, um, but like you said, I forget, but the offsides penalty is the reason the clock stops, which is the reason the Jets have 17 seconds to get it to Garrett. And then as we were talking about that play to Lazard, another great play from Zach Wilson. But the best part of that is the fact that they were all able to get to the line and spike it with one second, yeah. because that was a tougher situation than they faced in Denver. And they couldn't, you know, they couldn't uh, do it against Denver this week. They did it, and you know, we were watching. We don't have the all twenty-two yet, but you have the uh, Amazon thing with the little dots where you can see. And it, you're telling me that Lakin and Beckton are sprinting to the yeah, line. Before you the can see them over. booking it. Like that was immediately as once I got that spike off, I thought back to the Denver game, and I was like, they certainly worked on that. And Zach was saying it after the game that this was, you know, a longer pass, and there was less time than the Denver game and they were able to get it done, which, you know, further emphasizes how bad the previous one was, but at least they learned from it. They had a lot yeah, more absolutely urgency. came through in this game. There's, I, I thought it was done. Like when he completed that pass to Lazard, I was like, I was like, yeah, but like ugh, middle of the field pass. I didn't love it. I was like, there's no way they're going to get this off, but they somehow got it. So like so much credit is due to them for that. And also Zach was saying like, you know, you got Xavier Newman in there. You got guys in there. Yeah, he didn't even know the scene. snap count for a spike. 
That's his. yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he was saying how you know he was asking, and he had to explain it to him. So like uh, that was very improbable to pull that off. Just adds to the impressiveness of the win. But a few other things that led up to uh, the the possibility of this comeback, and uh, one of the guys in the broadcast pointed this out. I think it was it was either Matt Ryan or Tiki. I don't know, but when the Giants had the ball for the last time in the fourth quarter, the first down run by Barkley, he got six yards, but it looked like he went down to save time. I have to look at it again, but I'm pretty sure he just went down on purpose and he was trying to save time. I'm looking at it right now. So he takes the hand off. He goes left. It's only like gives him up, gives himself up a little bit and he could have the first down. So that was big. And then the Jets stop him two plays in a row after that. And Graham Gano misses a 35 yard field goal. McDonald, Pick- did, did McDonald touch that? He, he didn't. But he did jump over the center, like kind of block the middle lane. So he might have pulled it to avoid that. But if you look at the holder, the laces are like perpendicular to the sideline. He didn't fully get it turned around. That could have affected it. Um, but on, on that note, we got to talk about the Jets kicking. I mean, I know I was getting there. That was the next time. Was Morstead is the MVP. off in this game. What a beast. I mean, the number of punts when they were distance punts. He was, you know, putting a lot of yards on it, flipping the field. And when they were, you know, pin back punts, the number he got to bounce inside the five three, yard line. Three inside the five. Incredible. At least three of those. He's just, and I love, you know, he'd get those punts and he'd run down the field, fist pumping, celebrating. So it was good to see a two time friend of the pod absolutely take over this game. And a crucial and hold. Crucial hold on the game winning field goal, which, you know, Tom Sennessy, our guy, another friend of the podcast, not as great as snap here. Um, he actually, before that, had a shaky one, too. Um, but not as great as hold in this field goal, but Morstead goes down and gets it. He gets it up, and he gets the ball flipped around, too, which the other holder did not do. And oh, my heart stopped for a second when Greg kicked that one through. I thought he missed he it. Sneaks it. He sneaks it in. I, I was kind of, like, assuming the Jets won already <laughs> at that point, so I thought I'd jinx them. I was, like, gathering everyone around, like, come watch this. The Jets are about to win this game. Let's celebrate together. And then I was like, I'm totally jinxing this. But Greg the leg, clutch kicks in this game. He's been great this year. Morissette's been great. So this special teams duo is, I mean, how many games have they won for the Jets? You look at this game, obviously. Eagles game last week. Uh, Jake Elliott had to miss field goal. Greg Zerline was perfect. Had to make a bunch of kicks. Um, Denver, Irvin Charles, the Bills game. The, Irvin Charles Bills game the, the Bills had to miss field goal in that game. And Greg Zerline didn't. So Pretty much every win, like kicking has been essential for the Jets pulling it off. So, so much credit. To Special teams guys. matters. Special teams matters. Yeah. More sits are line. It's, it's the having the veteran duo at punter and kicker has made all the difference in the world for the Jets. Um, some other studs from this game, uh, all on the defense side of the ball, which I guess we can talk about. We spent all this time on offense and special teams. Um, how, I mean, obviously, Quincy Williams. Let's just start there. I mean, another fantastic game for the future all pro he looks unbelievable i mean he's the fastest guy on the field which is ridiculous to have in a linebacker and he's just playing so free there's not much else to add from quincy that we haven't already said the last few weeks but i mean he's working his way to the point where you're like is he the top three player on this team i mean yeah it's a conversation i was arguing he's the best linebacker last year or last week there are Plenty of numbers. He's having, he's having a better. He's having a. I mean, Quinnen's amazing, no doubt. But he's having a better season than Quinnen, and I still love Quinnen. Yeah, I would say he ranks Quinnen. higher among linebackers than Quinnen does like, among defensive tackles. So there's sure. an argument for it. He's just been so consistently good at making big time plays. And then the other, the other unit, and you were talking to me about this beforehand, that de- deserves a shout out. Although they didn't really get a chance to to shine in the second half because the Giants didn't throw. But the secondary it was locked down. I mean, Tyra Taylor had yeah. nowhere to throw the ball. So it was nice to have Sauce and DJ Reed back out there. Obviously, the also, Giants how about the tackle he made on Waller? I was about to say, well, and it knocked him yeah. out of the game. We did get to see that. We talked about that in the preview pod on third down. How we not that we're Sauce celebrating that. No, no Sean Payton here, but he, but he, they manned him up on third down with with Waller, and Sauce came through against the the tight end. And yeah, I don't, I guess he hurt his his hamstring on that. Not good for our fantasy matchup. I do have Waller. I was playing Michael. I don't think I'm going to win. I'm going to pick up the dub. I did have Brees. Five and three. I had Brees in the Jets defense, and Brees came through. And Jets defense did too. But yeah, Waller's one one point is is not good for for our matchup. Um, so yeah, other- like the Giants barely passed the ball. Obviously, when Devito came in, and it was just like a non-factor. But even when Ty when Tyrod was in, um, you know, some of the he was sacked twice, four, seven, eight yards. That was all coverage. Like some of those sacks weren't 
you know, the quickest pressure, but like they're forcing him to hold the ball, run around. It was clearly amazing coverage going on in the back end there. And then coming up to play the run, I thought the secondary did a good job as well. So I love how the Jets pass defense stats are going to look after this game because coming into this, like it didn't feel like the stats kind of matched up with how well it really felt like the Jets were playing. But now you go go out and give up negative eight passing yards. Your all your numbers are going to be skyrocketing to a so which I think is fitting. It's going to be going to a more uh, accurate level. Who are some of the other guys that you, on the defensive side of the ball you think deserve a shout? I noticed uh, Quentin Jefferson had I think back to back big oh, run yeah, stuffs in place. the first quarter. He's in good place, and uh, you know he's going to have to be big after Al Woods Bryce Huff had a sack. Bryce Huff, yeah, again, pay that man, show him the money. You think Carl Lawson uh, gets traded on Tuesday? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of seems like the writing's on the wall for that. I think someone would take a shot. Like there's some pass rush needy teams that'll throw whatever it takes to just, you know, take a stab at it. I mean, they were able to trade like Jordan Willis for a six round pick a couple years ago. Yeah, they should get something for for Lawson, you'd think. So they'll get something for Carl Lawson. But uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, let's be honest, like the Giants didn't challenge them much, but the defense outside of that one drive, which was very penalty based, you know, it was frustrating. They kind of got run on despite you know, no passing threat. But if not for the penalties, that's a field goal drive. And the Giants have six points in this game. But I, outside I know, of that, it's just total dominance. I know we're a Jets podcast, but can we just analyze things from the Giants' perspective for a second? I mean, what the hell were they doing? I know you said it almost worked. Yeah. And, like, I get the thought process, I, I guess. But it's like did they, they literally didn't attempt a single pass in the second half. I can't get my mind around that. And I just don't understand. Even even in overtime too, where it's like, okay, now you got to play quarterback. The only passes they call were like little swing passes. I mean, like, look, Tommy DeVito. I get he's going into his first NFL game. This is a great Jets defense. Bad weather, but it's like, you know, he's still playing the preseason. He can throw downfield, and at least just it, the Jets knew exactly what the Giants were doing in, in this third and fourth quarter. They knew exactly what the Giants were going to run, and they were able to just load the box. They didn't have to respect the pass at all. And I think that that slowed down the Giants' offense because even if their plan was to just ground and pound, we're going to run this ball out, we're going to just force Zach Wilson to beat us. It's like even if you're just throwing downfield and just presenting that option, I guess you risk the turnover, but it should open up some lighter boxes for Barkley or throw it to Barkley as a receiver. Like I just didn't understand. If I'm a Giants fan, I'm furious right now with Dable. I mean, as bad as we were, as we thought this loss would be on, on Saul's record, I think – I mean, I haven't followed the Giants all too close, but I would say this is the worst loss on Dable's record. I mean, 99.9% win chance. We see it right behind you, and they blow it. I just, I just can't – I don't even know what to say about – you know, I have a lot of Giants fans who are friends of mine. I don't even know what to say to them. I just – no, It was them. shocking. Like, I was, I was thinking at some point – like, I get it. Like, you know, they put him in. Like, all right, it's ease him in, lean on Barkley. But there came a point where it was like, are you going to throw one pass? Like – and. To a certain extent, like I understand because the Jets offense was so bad that maybe once the Giants were up there, like let's just protect this ball by any means necessary. Keep punting it back to them. We're just not going to take any risk of a turnover because we think we can win as long as we don't do that. And they were, like I said, they it almost did work. But at the same time, it didn't work because you had, what, outside the first drive, how many second half drives did they have? After that first one, one, two, three, you would like eight drives to put up another point to at least, you know, defend against a potential comeback later. And they didn't do it. So uh, it was it was very scared, especially because they ran the ball pretty well in those first and second down plays, despite the fact that the Jets you know, should have been more prepared for it. I think there were too many like five, six yard runs when they could have been stopping them short of the line of scrimmage, considering how predictable it was. Um, they created some manageable third downs, but it would be like third and five, third and seven, and they just run anyway. So it was some of the most scared coaching I've seen. Like they, there had to be something in the playbook he could hit like five yards downfield. So and isn't that why they ran the – It wasn't I mean, the hardest game for the Jets, <laughs> let's be honest. But the defense obviously, outside one drive, maximized it pretty well. I mean, it's, it was insulting. I mean, I thought the Jets were going to lose, and I was like, yeah. this offense is just a smack in the face. The, the Giants really say we're literally just punting on first down, essentially. Just burn clock and we'll punt. They weren't playing offense. Then it was just the battle of Giants defense versus this Jets offense. And finally, like you said, when the, when they're, the fear of the mistake doesn't exist and the Jets have to play aggressive and Zach Wilson throws downfield, I'm not going to act like he does it all the time. But 
he made the plays when he needed to. They got in field goal range. They somehow tied it up. And then what do you make of the overtime drive as well? Because I feel like he had, uh, he had the nice throw to Garrett Wilson. He had the other one that was nearly intercepted, although Matt Ryan was saying that was more on Brees for cutting it upfield, that he was going to have Garrett Wilson. Then he had the deep ball to, to Malik Taylor, which w- wasn't a great throw. He underthrew him, but he didn't. He wasn't able to step up uh, into that throw. And like you said, you know, you just throw it up there. You give it a chance to either, either a jump ball or you can draw that offensive PI, and that's obviously obviously what happened. What do you make of that of that last drive? And also the decision to just kick the field goal and not on first down and not run it. Yeah, I mean, just bouncing off of the fourth quarter drive, I think really just that one throw he made to Garrett Wilson is up there as one of his better throws in his career. The way he just stands in there and delivers that. I'm watching it again right here. I mean, they bring the blitz off the edge and Becton does his best to slow it down, but it's a DB. There's not much he can do. And Zach hangs in there and he makes that throw taking a huge shot and he puts it right where Garrett needs to have it coming back to the quarterback. So, I mean, he made like, again, like it's not an ideal game from Zach Wilson. It's really not. He made some big mistakes, but there are some towards the end of this game, especially, but even throughout the film, as you look at it, there are some good throws in this game and you especially give him credit for capitalizing here at the end. The giants gave the jets a chance and he did what he needed to do to make the most of it. And we've seen how many times has he not been able to do that, whether it's the Patriots game earlier this year, last year's Lions game, last year's Patriots game, uh, the second one. There there have been moments where the Jets' defense has given the Jets impossible chances to win games at the end. Like, how are we still in this game? You have no right to be in here. If you could just have one drive right here, you, you can go win this game. And Zach Wilson does it not once but twice at the end of the fourth quarter and – here in this overtime. And obviously with the Malik Taylor play, not a, not a good throw or anything, but I just love the fact that he takes those shots because you don't have to be great at making those throws to get production out of it because pass interference is so common. Just take those shots and good things will happen. And then what do you, what do you make of the decision to just kick it on first down and not, not run the ball? I, I think, is that just because of the new center and they didn't want to risk the, the fumble in the rain? I, mean, I think it was the right decision, right? Because I mean, you want if he's gonna miss, you want to leave time left so you can get the ball back. It was only thirty-three yards, so I guess I figured might as well uh, take it immediately, right? Right, I guess so. Yeah, and then I guess as the I only said, thing I thought was they might try to center it, but you know maybe that's right. A, if, if they actually the way it did play out, if they it was on the right hand, yeah, if they had centered he it, barely missed. hooked it in the left the left pose. If they centered it, he would have missed if he kicked it the same way. So yeah, so it it, it worked out. All's well that ends well. A win is a win. We'll take it. Three straight wins for the Jets. It feels nice. It feels nice to be four and three. Um, a big win or a big game next week against the Chargers. Back to, back against the AFC. That's that's an option. Honestly, for the though, Jets. like I'm just looking at some of the tweets. I, it's still so funny to think about how different it is just because of a few plays at the end. Kayvon Thibodeau oh. doesn't go off sides with 24 seconds left and battle adversity, but the guys never gave up. Team. Right. It changes from <laughs> that. It goes from like this fucking team to this team. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that easily. No. Well, yeah, it's exactly like if, if Randall Cobb had caught that Hail Mary against the Patriots. Yeah, it's I, just I love the win. Don't get me wrong. But like, you know, it, it's just it's just funny, like how sports works that way. Like it's very black and white in terms yeah. of the final result. And yes, but we'll take it, Michael. We'll take but at it least now it. from now on, we got like, you know, how many seconds did Mahomes have in that playoff game? Was it 17 seconds? Yes. whatever it was. But from now on, there will be 24 seconds left on the clock. We could say, you left too much time for Zach Wilson. <laughs> so we got that in our back pocket. Uh, all right. I'll do the plugs. If we have anything else, we'll, we'll do it after that. Uh, follow us at CYJ Pod on Twitter. Michael, Michael underscore Nanny, and myself, Ben W. Blessington. Go to JetsXFactor.com. Best place to go for Jets content. Uh, subscribe to the Jets X Factor YouTube. We post all our pods there and the other podcasts go up there as well uh please rate review subscribe on itunes i think that's it michael last thoughts um four and three looks pretty good they're tied for the seventh seed as we speak right now all right um steelers are in the playoff picture they have uh one more win in conference but i mean everything they've been through to be in the playoff uh, tied for the last playoff spot right now is pretty crazy and you're got a home game next week against a two and four team then you go I'll be there in Vegas against a Raiders team that you feel like they should be. And they got a nice little path ahead here, but it all starts with being better at than one for 15 on third down. If you want to go anywhere, 
Not going to get breaks like this every single week. Not going to face Tommy DeVito every week. Let's say that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, next week against against the Chargers, and I don't care what the weather is, but you, they have to be aggressive. And and I'm fascinated to see what they're going to do next week because this offensive performance, like you said, like we can't let the final results skew uh, our perception of it. It was terrible. Right. And this was a nice wake up call for in a potential trap game. The Jets get lucky and they pull through. And I think the team deserves credit for fighting through adversity. But man, there's a lot to clean up from that one. So uh let us know what you think comment below where we'll have the preview pod for the Chargers game come up friday we never did the bi-week mailbag and so we we're thinking maybe we do the mailbag post trade deadline on tuesday can i can i get can i lock yeah. you down for that michael sounds right. like an idea but i mean right. we'll, sounds we'll like see. an idea we'll see if we come through on it <laughs> um that would be on wednesday we'll see uh thank you everybody for listening but yeah I, i'm enjoying this like just i would say All everyone right. like just say and you can simultaneously enjoy the win and also like evaluate it in an honest way because like this is this is so awesome like i love the moments we've had from this team this year we've watched so many years of stagnant jets football that had zero memorable moments losing. I mean, what do you remember in 2021 yes losing but like you know like, we'll see how the season ends up but like even last year they end up seven and ten but we had a lot of fun and at this point we're having a lot of fun so yeah. I think, and you might this, say, "Oh, that wasn't I said, fun." Like, I, this I'm era, fun watching that comeback. This, this is era, fun. competitive this era, football is fun. This era of Jets football is certainly better than the last one, better than the one before that, probably better than the one before that, all the way up until Rex. I mean, this this solid era of football has its flaws, but this team battles adversity. They're always in it. They play hard for them. They're good in the second halves. They make adjustments. They're still playing 20th century offense, but you know what? Hey, let's just soak in the win. A win is a win, Michael. Four and three. Tie for seventh in the AFC. And two out of the three phases of the game, the Jets might be number one in the league. How about we think about that? That's pretty nice. Defense and special teams. Now, if they could run the ball, that would be that's the the key to, to success in the playoffs. They'll need Joe Tittman back. That would be a big injury. Hopefully, he can come back uh, next week because no Schweitzer, no Hopefully McGovern. We'll soon. AVT is such a big loss, but like you just get Tittman back in there, it's going to change a lot versus yeah. the, the group they had today. But um, I, also, I, I said it earlier, but I want to make sure I say it now. Credit to CJ Uzama for his block on that Brees Hall touchdown. Just want to put that out there. I give him plenty of criticism for his blocking, but, you know, got to give him his flowers where they're due. So good job, CJ. Nice. I did notice Any a lot more Rucker. Later. I did notice a lot more Rucker, I will say. I don't know exactly what his snap count was, but I know he was on there with the first snap of the game, and I was like, all right, this is already a good sign. They also got they Cook put- out of there. Like, I don't even think he played in the second half. He played like two snaps. <laughs> After that one, what, like one yard run that he barely got. Hey, got it. He got it. He gets his two yards and he gets out of he there. Did. He's consistent. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. Have a great week. We'll be back definitely on Friday, maybe on Wednesday with a mailbag. We'll see. Have a good one. Go Jets. Three wins in a row. Uh, we're going to go into the next game. Jets will have not lost in over a month. So wow. soak that in. Primetime football next. Bring it on. Primetime football. It'll be over 30 days until I let I don't even want to let this one end. Let's go, Jets, baby. Three in a row. Yes, I got it. I never stopped believing. You can go check my timeline right now. Like the whole there's <laughs> no clean. tweets doubting the Jets in there. All right. It's clean. Like everyone else is out here being reactionary. I'm the only one who has the patience to wait until the end of the game to analyze everything. I don't say a single word during the game. <laughs> okay. All right. We're done. How about that? Four and three. Four and three. See ya.